Are you a HubSpot user looking to stay up to date with HubSpot, inbound, and all the information that will make your job easier and help you and your company grow better? Each week, the Spot brings you the HubSpot education, ideas, and tools that you need to maximize your success, make work just a little bit easier, and of course, brighten your day along the way. Listen in as Julie, Doug, Max, and George share their authentic, entertaining, and valuable conversations with the people who really matter. That's right, you. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for your HubSpot journey heroes. Welcome to this week's episode of The Spot. All right, ready, spot, go. And we're back with another episode of The Spot, where I have to just start out, we're uh, we're missing our dude, Max. We're missing Max because he's usually with us on the show, but, you know, it's baby time in in the Cohen household, and so we're we're, we're holding, you know, tight to see what's going on, what's happened yet. Whew, my goodness. I've got to tell you, hold on. Hold on a second. I got. I got to because you know Max isn't here, not because of work. Max is here because he's expecting his baby girl. Uh, I got a little bit of a tribute for for Max. I hope that's all right. Uh oh. Oh, that's fine. Uh oh. There you go, Max. That's for you, buddy. That's for Max. We'll see. We'll see if this episode get banned uh, on on all the <laughs> iTunes, uh, you know, the Googles. We'll see. Uh, but we'll, we'll have it. What's a we'll little copyright it. infringement here yeah, for Max? Yeah. Come on. L- it's little fine. bit. Little it's bit. worth but it. Hey, I mean, if you're going to be a dad, you got to, you know, infringe on the copyrights every now and I guess. So so here's the thing. We do miss him. Uh, Julie, the show Julie, goes you see on. George is sweating a little bit. He's sweating no, a little bit. No, I'm not sweating. I'm not sweating. <laughs> I'm just like... First of all, I do like that song. I will say that. Like, uh, a hidden secret, I do like country. I just don't know if I like a long enough segment of country that what? we might I had not to have get the wrapped around your little finger already in American Girl, so, you know, it... it Love it. I know 30 seconds of country feels like five minutes. I understand. Oh, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. No, 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 no. We can't, we can't beat up country. I need all my country folks who are listening to do a hashtag the spot podcast and a heart with country. We need to go ahead and let these uh, folks know what's up. So here's the thing. I started out the podcast, started out with outreach, right? Outreach to Max to let Max know that we, uh, that we, you know, are thinking of him. I reached out to him via email before the podcast started. Hey, you know, fingers crossed. We're thinking of you. Love you. And, and and that's because my mind has been on for this episode. What we're going to be talking about is outreach and personalizing your outreach. Now, I will kind of throw the rules out here to the audience so they know. Uh, Usually we have an article per week. This week I threw two articles in there because many times when I'm talking to people and we talk about personalizing your outreach, there's a confusion if it's marketing or if it's sales that we're having this conversation around. So found two articles, one on marketing, one on sales. We're going to kind of go through these. Let's start with the marketing one. Julie, Max, Max, whoo, Julie, Doug, I got Max on the brain, guys. Julie, Doug, what are your thoughts on this first article uh, by WordStream that is actually uh, titled, I'm trying to get there real quick because I was down at the bottom of the article. Five tips to personalize your marketing without looking like a creep. We almost said that in unison. We almost said that in unison. So what? Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? 
I think it's a good idea not to look like a creep. I like yes. the idea of not looking like a creep. I'm I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Although there... I'm gonna I'm gonna be contrarian here. Have you ever gotten an email that recognizes that it's a little bit creepy and it's kind of like delightful in its own way? No. No. Someone does an no. abandoned cart email and I don't know who it who it is. I can't leave it off the top of my mind, but the subject okay. line is always like, We caught you looking. Okay. So so you know that actually gets to the point that I was gonna I was I was gonna let you the marketer kind of kick this off, but it get you went right to the point of um, what where I was going to go. I actually think the problem with personalization is is twofold. The first problem is it's all about tactical. If you read anything about personalization, you know it gets into tactics and techniques. Which anytime you do that, you come down into use the personalization token, a first name, etc. I think the word that we're looking for is not personalization. I think it's contextualization. And mm -hmm. so what you did there, see, you were on the cart. There's a level of engagement. There's something that's happening. It fit a context of that. So it it, it, it replicated a little bit of the feel that you might have from, from a live standpoint, if that's executed well. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten the emails where it's, you know, you know either using just straight um, personalization tokens or these crappy AI algorithm tokens, and then try to play off of that. Hey, I know it might look creepy that we know that you're an Orioles fan. No, actually, I'm a Nationals fan. Thank you very much. The fact that I'm in an Orioles zip code, you see, that causes you a little bit of a problem. You, Orioles zip code, and you see baseball in my Twitter feed, right? Those, those things come in, and, and I think it's what we're really looking for is contextualization. It's interesting that you bring that up, Doug. And then I'm just going to say the short little quippy uh, thing to this article. Uh, there is a part that it says bad personalization is worse than no personalization at all. So there is this kind of uh, piece where you're talking about. And, and I felt, too, there was an underlying conversation. And I'm glad you busted this out because I was trying to figure out, like, they're actually – talking about something else especially the second article but we'll get it we'll get into that so julie what are your thoughts i've been having this conversation with a few different clients this week and it's been uh it's been an interesting metaphor and i'm going to apply it here we have really like cool sounding interesting compelling ideas from a marketing standpoint and i'm going to come back to personalization on this um, and as marketers, we kind of like shiny new things. We like a little flash in the pan. We like something that sounds like, Ooh, like that's a sexy marketing thing. And sometimes occasionally those things fall into the bucket of stuff. That's really important to do often. It's kind of extra. So the thing I've been saying to some clients lately is you have to eat your broccoli before you can have ice cream. And I feel like with personalization, it's such a hook. It sounds so cool. It sounds like this like great panacea for everything in the world and everything that's wrong with marketing. Um, but it's really ice cream. And I say it's ice cream because if you're adding personalization for it to work well and for it to actually affect your performance, you need to already have a nicely running marketing program. Like if you don't have a website that has a clear value proposition and people can get there and understand what you do, adding some personalization to your website, even smart content at that point, isn't going to make it better. It's going to make it more complicated and it doesn't mean you're going to get better results. So I love the idea, but I think it's a lot of the times ice cream. Let me, let me ask you, uh, uh, it's a serious question. What is personalization? When you say, when you say 
if you're going to do personalization, if you're going to personalize, what, what does that mean? Yeah. So to me, the idea of personalization is like dynamically adjusting your website content based on information you have about the viewer or the visitor. So that could be inferred information or it could be explicit information, right? It could be, um, this is a known contact in my database revisiting. They have looked at 17 pages about blogging. So I'm going to give them more content about blogging from marketing agency standpoint, or it could be, this is, um, a mobile visitor and I'm going to like personalize the content they see because I'm going to give them shorter, more snackable content because they're on mobile. And then if they do convert follow up with longer form content that they can consume better on um, a desktop device. Do, See, here's the problem. Think... Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. You got that answer, Doug, from Julie because Julie's been in the trenches and been a ninja. And I agree with everything that Julie said, but she leaned heavily into smart content or changing the page. If you ask the question, you asked Julie to probably, I'll say 70%, made, made up numbers, 70%. If you ask that to most people, they'll be like, oh, well, I, I used a, a, what are those things called? I used a, a, a token in my email, right? Um, cool. They'll say a personalized token in my email. I said, hi, first name. So therefore, uh, check job done. Like that's, that's the problem where you were going into contextual or context. Um, I think there's this conversation that has to be had that is it's context, it's personalization, but they have to work hand in hand. And so it's something like, yes, you can use their name and you can use their company name, and but you should also have this other layer of that you're changing things out based on the life cycle journey, based on the things you know. Go ahead. Let me let me point out the, the biggest conflict in this idea of personalization where I use their name, I use data about them, which, you know, back in my day, we call that mail merge. And, and, you know, so the idea is it's, we're going to make it personal. It's going to come across as though we know them because hi, Julie, here's my question. People that you have a personal relationship with, how many of your emails do you start off? Hi, Julie. When, when, when you're emailing somebody that you already talked to, how many times do you use the name of their company three times in the email? How many times when you're sending an email to somebody you know, do you say, George, here's the information you requested, right? The, the, the reality is we create, I, I find the vast majority of quote unquote personalization tools actually depersonalizes it. You actually broadcast the fact that there is no relationship because if there were a relationship, you would be using, how are you doing? Right. You would be using third person pronouns. You, 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 you'd be communicating in whatever that language that you communicate in is. And, and I find, you know, you know, 90% of the time that you're using that, that idea to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to point this in. Um, I, I think it's, it's extraneous. Um, and it actually adds to the static. It doesn't reduce it. So I'm going to say yes and no, yes and no, because I actually do like in a B2B world with every one of my clients, like it's like Melissa, comma, Craig, comma, like I, I do do that um, from a business standpoint. Now, if if I'm emailing, let's just say, Doug, I'm emailing you, um, I'm like, what's up, bro? Right. Like, so I understand where you're going with this, but I also do feel there is a time and place. Where are you talking about, are you talking about beginning this? Are you talking about beginning the email? Or are you talking about in the subject line? 
Uh, I'm t- well either well okay so now I don't know were you because because now that's a big difference right because um, when I was listening to you talk I was envisioning this was the actual email you were talking about but if you're talking about the subject line I don't ever in a real world scenario use their first name in the subject line however what's funny from a marketing standpoint, I use their first name a lot in the uh, subject line. So, well, that's and, interesting. And, and, and here, <laughs> here by the way, but by the way, here here's a contextual um, item, right? If now 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 there's a world between George and Haybro, right? As your as your salutation, right? There's a world between that, but. But if you start off George comma and, and, and for anyone, like the way I do it from a sales standpoint, I know we're going to talk about sales later is I see how does the person start their email. So if they start their emails with hi, Doug, I go back with hi, this, if they go with just my straight name, I go there. If they don't use my name and they're right into whatever the email is, I do that. Cause again, I'm being contextual. Love right? a little mirroring. I, right. I, I, I do that. By the way, I, I do that with my friends as well. That's actually how, how I do that too. But, but I'll say there are certainly times where you're communicating in business where there's going to be a degree that's more formal. And, and I'll remind you that what you're doing is you're creating a contextual marker that says this is a business relationship, not a personal relationship, right? It's, it's not a huge thing. It's not, but, but there is a, like, if that's not how you're normally communicating, so you're using that, that formal approach, you are saying, and, and. But there are times that that's the right thing to do. It all goes back to, you know, the, the point that, that we were talking about earlier, which is really what's the context of the situation. But all like all the stuff that people like if you're contextual, you can't be creepy. Mm. How's that? Mm. for How's that for a hashtag? That's, yeah, is that, tweet that is that how I do it? I'm yeah. hashtag, hashtag contextual, not, not creepy. I would say tweet um, that junk right there. That's I agree with you. Go ahead, Julie. I just feel like it's extra. Like it's not, I think personalization as a concept in marketing is over emphasized and takes away from doing good work to begin with. Did, did you say extraneous or was it? I said extra. Oh, okay. I must've heard the extraneous thing. I'm, I, mean, I did not so say it, extraneous. Um, we're, we're bringing Jersey today. Um, I, I just, I'm not like, no, I was saying it's extraneous, actually. That was my oh, sarcastic yeah, way just, of saying, I think personalization is extraneous. Yeah. 90% of the time, it's extraneous. Yeah. It's not it's, just extra. It's, ice it's cream. not the ice cream. It's not, no, no, it's, I like ice cream. Ice cream, well, ice, cream like ice cream tops too. off the meal. Ice cream tops so, off the meal. Okay. I think personalization, like, is subtracted 90% of the time. So, so, so let, maybe, let me redefine ice cream, though. So it's not ice cream because it's delightful and fun and delicious. It's ice cream because it's not fundamental to keeping you alive. I don't know yeah, about but, that. But, like there but are again, some ice cream. I feel like I'm going to die if I don't have ice cream. I'm you know, you know, actually, there. actually, that is that is true because there there is there is a satisfaction if you deny yourself of that. Now, if you don't enjoy it, then it's something different. But but again, so so ice cream, it's not fundamental to the meal, but it tops it off. It makes it special. It's it's additive. So it, it doesn't take sure. away from the meal. And I'm saying that personalization. When you're thinking, if you're thinking personalization, the vast, vast majority of times that I see it being executed, it, it, it takes away because again, the reason that you're doing it is to try to create this appearance of a personal relationship. Yet I say again, if you don't do that, when you have a personal relationship, 
Will you continue to put the name of their company in the middle of the third line of your email when you're sending them an email after you've worked with them for six months? You see, and I know we're going to talk about this in sales. This is what I teach salespeople all the time. When you begin that call with somebody you've never talked to before, sound like you've talked to them before. Yeah. I, if I listen to your call on the very first, on a very first cold call, and I listen to your call when you're talking to somebody for the 17th time, I should not be able to, to tell a stylistic difference, right? So when I make you feel like you've talked to me before, you're more likely to talk to me because we don't go up to people that we want to meet in social situations and go, hello, Julie, my name is Doug. Before we get started, let me explain the three reasons why I represent a superior, right? We don't do those things. We just say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, hey, Julie, this is Doug, right? And I say to somebody, if you say, hey, if that's what you're thinking, then when you're cold calling, say, hey, that might that's be right. off yeah. brand, but no, it's not. And it's, I would say the same thing comes in, you know, what would you do? If you already knew them, what would you do if you already had a relationship with them? And, and that's probably what you should do right now before you have a relationship. I think it's really interesting that on the marketing side of this, because by the way, the conversation we're trying to have is personalizing your outreach. And on the marketing side of this, we completely dove into like the tactical personalization token. Should it be subject line? Should it be in the email? Is it email? We really never even talked about anything past email. Doug, you mentioned uh, somewhere along the lines uh, data uh, and, and the article because I do want to switch gears into the sales side and see what that conversation ends up being. But in this article, you have to you have to read this, viewers, listeners, because there is a part where it talks about data and collecting data. And one of the things that frustrated me the most about this article was one little sentence that said, the more loops, <laughs> oh, I don't even know if I can read it, the more loops the user needs to jump through while exploring your website, the better, because you want to collect more data, because you want to uh, be able to personalize. And Doug, when you said something a couple minutes ago, my brain was like, here's another tweetable moment. Spend more time building the relationship than building the perception that there is a relationship. And that's when you're going to be able to win on this. Let's jump to the other article because we had we had two articles. We had from the marketing standpoint. We had from the sales standpoint. And the sales one, it is actually 29 tips to get super successful in sales outreach. And so, Doug, Julie, what are your thoughts on this article? What did you love? What did you hate? The good, the bad, the ugly? Talk to me. I'm going to share one that I'm not supposed to like, but I really liked was included um, in like the first section, this, like, what are the, I guess it's the second section. What are the different channels? I liked that direct mail was included. I like that direct mail was included. Um, and that's because we like get into this, this place sometimes of like, oh, we're digital marketers. We're, we're doing inbound. Like there's no time and place for this. That's traditional. It's so old fashioned. It doesn't work. It's this and that. Sometimes it does. And um, I love things that aren't supposed to work that do. Um, and I like things that take into consideration, like sometimes for your audience, this will reach them better than that email. Because you know what? I look at every email I get, I technically open every email I get. Most of them I delete. Some of them I mark as unread to come back to. It's not because of the subject line. It's not because they use my name or didn't use my name. It's usually because it's an email that I'm expecting to receive that I really like. But 
I have actually gotten, I can't believe I'm a minute. I've actually gotten direct mail that I've looked at and said, oh, I should save this for later and come back to it. Um, so I'm, of all the things Doug. that was like, oh, yeah, okay. Doug. Doug, can you plug I'm, your I'm stuck on she. I'm stuck on she no. opens every email that she gets. I'm I open every email. Well, no, no, I but Doug, I, I don't read every email. I open every email. No, I understand. I'm just still. Yeah. Wow, Doug, yeah. I need you to plug your. I need you to plug yours for a second. I just need you to plug yours, Julie. Here's the deal. I love the fact that they brought up direct mail as well, because um, back when inbound 2020 was happening, I had to do this thing inbound versus outbound. And one of the things that I didn't talk about God that crushed. if I that, that oh, <laughs> one of the things that I would have said <laughs> if, if I had the time to say it was that like, here, here's the only way I can communicate this. Uh, why did blogging work? Blogging worked effectively because nobody was doing it. Nobody was doing it. And so you were first in space. You started to blog. You were there in a quiet space. When everybody started blogging, you know, one of the things that I used to tell people, go run a magazine ad because it's super quiet over there right now. Like the thing that the, the thing that a lot of folks can really pay attention to that may work for their business is look where the noise is. Turn around 180 degrees and go play in that playground because your competition isn't there. The pricing is going to be down. Like there's so when you when this was in here, direct mail, I'm like, I don't have a problem with direct mail. I don't have a problem. If if I am a provider of um, hunting gear, I'm going to go be in Deer Hunter magazine. There's no reason why I wouldn't still be in Deer Hunter magazine if I'm, I'm doing hunting gear. Because it's it's super quiet there right now because everybody's moving on to well, this other new tactic. Unless you can't afford the media buy because you're a new, yeah. I don't know, bow hunting gear company who's doing X, Y, or Z and you're not ready to buy a placement in Gear Hunter magazine. And which case you might go for a digital ad or something else because it's a cheaper George, capital up front. Mm -hmm. George, I, I, I think mm -hmm. you got the right answer for the wrong reason. Um, mm. I don't think blogging was successful because no one was doing it. I think because blogging wasn't a tactic, the people who started blogging blogged because they had something to say. Um, you know, I still remember when the data came out that the more you blog, the more leads you got. If you blog once a week, you get this. If you blog three times a week, you get this. If you blog five times a week, you get this. Except the people who started blogging three times a week and five times a week did that before there was data. And what that meant was they had they had three blogs a week or five blogs a week of quality. Like they needed to blog five times a week because that's what was needed to get that out. And then someone said, oh, if you blog five times a week, you know, I, I always say that we, you know, the, the email wasn't successful because it had a 7% click rate. Mm. It had a 7% click rate because the email was successful. Mm. Right. And so we turn, we, we, we keep turning outcomes or, or byproducts into objectives. Um, and, and so, you know, anybody that's ever been against direct mail um, is foolish. Right. And, and, you know, yes, there's, there was absolutely a time where, where mail, we, I mean, we were over overwhelmed by mail, but, but here's something else. I don't care what you sell. We got to, as long as you're selling to humans, something that I think we're forgetting in this whole massive run to digitization is that humans are 3D tactile creatures. We also need to understand that humans process information off of a digital screen fundamentally differently than they offer it, than they process it off of a physical document. It literally connects to two distinctly different parts of their brain. One of the reasons there's so much 
grift in, in this online digital world is because when we process off of a computer screen, it goes right to our amygdala first. And then, and then we need to get our executive functions working to actually think about it. And that's why it's, you know, so emotionally driven, so polarizing, et cetera, because the fundamental way that we process it feeds into that. And so you get to take advantage of people not thinking. So, so yeah, I think that you got to bring this all together. Now, as it relates to the article, here's where this whole personalized outreach and I just think that we're making something that's not complicated, complicated. I think, it, I think it's inherently simple. It's not easy. Like that's, we keep trying to get the tactics and the techniques and the 29 tips to make it easy. It's never going to be easy because easy is noise. The complexity is, is what are you communicating? Um, before we got on, Julie talked to us about her socks and she had this complicated way of trying to figure out and she she realized hey i could really see i brought it into the podcast before you did yes remember you said you're going to weave it into an episode um i right? like it and, Thank and you. so you know like my, my, my point is getting things set up having something to say that's tough understanding your customer that's tough but if you understand your customer and you understand the problems they have and you understand what matters well you can't not personalize. You can't not contextualize, right? And and so if you don't have that knowledge, then you you cannot do that. And if you do have that knowledge, you know, it's a natural byproduct. And so I think it just comes down to, again, if you have a friend, if you have a really good friend, then you have the skills and the knowledge to succeed and personalize outreach because that's how you got your friend. You know, it's all about how do we replicate, I call them best friend conversations. And that's what it comes down to. And, and then, I mean, it's, so it's, yeah, interesting. it's interesting because when I hear you say that, it's like be human and don't try too hard. <laughs> like that, that, it comes down to those two things. But Doug, you're like a master of like tweetable moments on this episode, by the way, because you said, and I'm like, oh, dang, somebody tweet that, John. I need George hanging uh, around you, with me. So you, I know you, when I. You, 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 said, <laughs> uh, you said easy as noise. Tweet that junk out right there because that that's a true fact. Now, the thing that you did say is you said it's hard. And the one thing I will say is I think that this article at least does a job in making it a little bit easier for those that might not be equipped immediately like you with the ability to put it into a process, see, right? So see, so hang on. I don't agree I do, Hang on. Hang on. I'll, I'll let you disagree in a second. The one thing I do want people to look at out of this whole 29 tip thing is there's a section that's called optimize your program. And it goes through these like one, two, three, four, five. I don't necessarily care if you read the paragraphs, to be honest with you. But I want you to read the numbered headings in what is the Optimize Your Program. Okay, disagree with me, Doug, because that's what this podcast is all about. So it says, according to Wistia, including video in their outreach efforts led to 140% higher click rate. And so now people are throwing video into their email outreach, and it's just horrible. And, and I feel bad for reps because they've been told, put, e put, put video into your email. And so they do shitty emails. I'm sorry, can I say that? I'm yeah, shitty videos yeah. is what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah, you're good, um, you're good. Well, I mean, if it's, well, if it's a crappy video, yeah, if it's a crappy video, it's a crappy email, by the way. Just, right. just throw that out there right. because one's going to like make the other one suck. 
Right. And, and, and so, you know, people hear, oh, direct mail, I should go do direct mail. Hey, we have to do direct mail. You know, uh, who was it? Marshall McClellan said like a hundred years ago, the medium is the message, right? It, that's, that's still true. Right. And, and, you know, the, 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 the amount of stuff that, you know, how, how many, uh, there, there became this really popular line, never hold a meeting when it could have been, when, when, when it could have been solved with an email, never hold a meeting when you could solve it with an email. Well, if your video should just be an email, which I, I'm sorry to tell most salespeople out there, most, 98% of your videos should just be emails. Then, then just have it be an email, right? If you're going to do something on video, then then make sure you're taking advantage of that medium that it that it means something, or else it just becomes more and more and more background noise and 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 it and it and it lacks authenticity. It lacks a gen. I mean, it says be human, but but we put the tact. Like you know what you know what I'll say. They should have had the part, and I agree. You should read through that the the section that you talked about. Maybe they should have let off with that, and then said, here are some tactics. But, but I can tell you, like, the mindset of it already is here's the tactics. Oh, by the way, here's the structure. And you need structure first. Julie, what are your thoughts? I'm so with you, Doug, on video. Um, the other thing with this Wistia stat, though, I don't know if they're asking the right question. Um, so Wistia did a study on themselves and including videos. And in, Wistia is a video hosting provider, including video in their emails led to better performance. Well, they're selling video. So I hope so right? Like, yes, good. Very good. It doesn't mean it will work for everyone. I think it can be used good when used correctly. But for example, I am not good at taking information from a video and learning anything and doing anything and retaining it. Doesn't work for me. I have also worked with a lot of adult learners and training and onboarding where just accessing a video, even if it's a one-to-one video, doesn't work for them. So I think you need the right additional information and context to use video well. Um, So for example, if you send me a video and then send me the bullet points, I will get so much more out of that. But if you just send me the video, I have to watch it three to five times to get anything from it. And I don't have time to watch a video three to five times. So I'm not the persona for video communications. I'm not the the persona for asynchronous video. So, so, and and my point, and my point was not about video. I just brought that up as an example. I just want to, well, you messed up. You messed up right there. You messed up right there. I'm, I'll go there. Oh, I'll I'm going to go there. I, as soon as Julie's done, I'm going there. I'm like, I'm sitting here in anticipation. Like, I see. Yeah. Ooh. I'm going to say what George says. If you guys are not on the video, you need to get on Sprocket Talk and you need to get on the video and you need to see George's. Like, there is literally smoke coming underneath the headphones from George. So I can't. Uh, oh. George, the floor is yours. Well, Julie was finishing. I was I was trying to let Julie finish oh. up. I just didn't I just didn't like that that data point as um you know, like digging into these, these tactics as they're presented. Like, I just don't think it's the right data point. Um, and that bugs me. Yes. The data point is flawed because you're taking experts who are already experts at video, applying video in a new direction and using your own data for that point. So that's jacked up completely. Uh, Doug, your thing about uh, reps are being told to do video and they suck. Yes. The problem there is reps aren't being told to educate themselves on how to do good video and then do video, right? Which is exactly why, and not to be promotional, why we created the one-to-one personalized video course at Sprocket Talk so that we could actually go and have people watch this course. And it's why at Impulse Creative, we're teaching clients, their sales reps, how to do personalized video, one-to-one video good because 
there's a goal to it. There's something that you're trying to achieve. There is a method to the madness that should be put into place other than I'm just going to create a video and shove it in an email and send it and I'm good to go. Julie, one of the things that you mentioned was please give me the bullet points. We literally teach this thing called an email recipe where you actually have a video, you have a, a paragraph that has a goal, you've got some bullet points that has a goal, these links have a goal, you have a close that has a goal and it's a nice email video recipe recipe that works hand in hand with that video. And I'll say this isn't going away because if you pay attention to what HubSpot just did, go into your portal, look at your drag and drop email tool, and you're going to see that there's now a new video module that you can drop into your email, upload a video to your file manager in HubSpot and actually put video in email, not a thumbnail, but a video in your email through your HubSpot tool. So like getting good at this, educating yourself on this because this tactic used in a best practice way can give you good data points, but there's so much that has to be there first. Oof, I had to get that off my chest, people. I'm just saying. I, I, I know that you know this, but what comes before all of that is having something worth saying in the first place. Well, oh, yes. I, right. so, I, I so couldn't hear you, Julie. Emails, I couldn't hear you. It's, it's broccoli. broccoli. <laughs> you have to eat your broccoli. If 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 your email is empty and you'd go to video, then then you're going to be worse than in. Like, I would much much rather get an empty email than an empty video. You'll do less damage with an empty email than an empty video. If you've well, yeah. got a quality, and I know I know you're you're you're. You're pulling out. I'm not. I am by no means anti-video. I could. I could have picked on the data about live chat. I would say it's the same thing, right? It's. It's. You know what? If we just. You know, I started doing video, and I'm the first person to tell you that I got a face made for radio, right? I started doing video with no intent of doing video. It just became. You know, I had a message. I had. I. I was frankly eating up so much time going over the same material with people in a sales process. I remember getting ready for it and I was like, if I have to do this thing one more time, I, I will shoot myself. I can't, I can't hear myself say this anymore. And I realized I need to get this on video. I started using it. I had all kinds, and then I started doing some more Then I, you know, and I, I know um, I had someone tell me, you know, Marcus, who, who we all know and love, and there's, you know, you and Marcus are probably the biggest champions of video in, in, in the world. And I'll tell you anybody out there, they should go out, George, you should put in the show notes, one of your first videos, you should put one of Marcus's first videos, right? When he was talking about two different pool things and you're like, this guy is, is, is now doing this. Right. And, and it, it was okay because what, what you both had when your video style was just not very good, you had something worth saying. And you had, and the passion was there and it was meant to be, and the production quality was just horrible. And I mean, I think you couldn't even keep the cameras um, steady, but it was still like, I want what some of that guy has, right? That, that's what video brings out. Those are the pieces that, that, that are the fundamentals. So I would say that's where, you know, the video becomes the ice cream. And, 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 that's the, and that's where, again, we, uh, to me, it all comes back to contextualization. When you use video and video is not the right meaning, it's out of context, right? And I can be completely contextualized, never using your name, never using your company. Contextualized is, it feels like you get me. 
Right. That, and if you're, if you're focused on seeing the world through their eyes and making them feel like it feels like you get me, then all the other stuff, it, they, they, they can be accoutrements, but, but be really, really careful because you end up being coming one of those singers that has all these vocal tricks. Like I think, I think, I think Christina Aguilera is one of the most talented singers in history. The thing that drives me crazy about her music is she uses like, I mean, she can do every musical trick in the book and she's got all these songs where she does like seven or eight of them. And it's like, um, you know, if you had done one or two, this would have been amazing. I'm, I'm like tired now listening. And I don't mean to like, again, I think she's an extraordinarily talented artist. Um, I just, you know, it's, you know, and I think we do that with all this. And I think as the technology gets better and better, and we have more tricks and things to play with, we, you know, we, we start, it's gratuitous use of, right. And, and just stay focused on, you know, rule number one in every, keep it simple, simpler, the better only do it if it's worth doing. Otherwise don't do it. Yeah. So here, let's, every- let's kind of, let's wrap this up and I'm going to you, Julie. So I'm glad that you were ready to talk. Let's kind of wrap this up and, and let's discuss, like, we'll do Julie and Doug, and then I'll go last. Like your, when you t- think about personalizing your outreach, like what are your tips, tip, thought, like go in that direction? My biggest thing is anytime you read, see, hear, I don't know, smell something about personalizing your outreach, you have to think about who is this for and who is this not for, right? Not every tactic is for every business, for every recipient, for every persona, for every stage of maturity for a marketing program. Um, And if you just are reading the thing and you're reading about the tactic and you don't know why you would use that or how you would use that, or how you would not use that, take a beat before you start doing it. Take a beat. Know and understand your customer in the area that you impact them better than they know and understand themselves. See the world through their eyes. Solve for them. Remember that the question, the definition of value creation comes down to how do you answer this question? Would I have paid to have experienced whatever you did? So if your email created value, would I have paid to read your email? Would I have paid to have taken your sales call? Because whether or not someone physically pays with money, realize they do pay, they pay with their most expensive asset and that's time and attention. And if you focus on those things, frankly, everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, for me, it's funny, as we were kind of going through this, I I went back to basics, right? We've all heard HubSpot Academy and a bazillion other people say it's all about the right message at the right time for the right person. And it's it never said Bobby, Susie, Jenny, Billy, Phil, any of that. And so I love, Doug, that instead of personalization, it's about context and it is about having data and understanding who they are, having data and understanding where they are, and then being able to have the right tools, like kind of Julie said there, uh, to have that conversation in a way that breaks the noise that gets past the noise that everybody else is throwing out so i love i'm gonna finally uh finalize it with this doug i love the fact that you said keep it simple so as you move forward and you think of your personalization your context the journey that you're putting your people on keep it simple check out these two articles uh and we of course will be here Uh, waiting for you in the next episode but in between now and then make sure you hit us on the twitters uh at real julie d 
at Max Jacob Cohen, at Doug Davidoff. I finally have them all memorized, by the way. I am not even looking at a piece of paper right now. I'm at George B. Thomas. Use hashtag the spot uh, podcast or hashtag Sprocket Talk. And uh, Julie, Julie, hopefully everybody yeah. listened to this point. Because if you say okay as the ending word of this episode, I did record our sock conversation. And if you say okay, it will be at the end of this episode after our exit uh, music. So what are your thoughts? You know, my thoughts are I'm really here to change lives. And uh, for me, if if you want to share that conversation, which was a life changing tactic in my life, that's that's just okay. Okay, so last year, um, so before quarantine, I used to go to the gym very early in the morning, like five, six, seven, five. Some days I woke up before five to go to the gym. Um, and I found myself being late sometimes because I was rifling through my sock drawer, finding the socks that I like to wear with a certain pair of sneakers based on the this or the that of that day. And this extended to like other aspects, but we're going to focus on socks for this conversation. Um, so I threw away all my socks, threw away all my socks and I replaced them with three kinds of socks and they're in three different colors. So now I have black socks that I wear with sneakers for the gym. I have white socks that are like no show cut to wear with like fashion sneakers and things like that. And I have tan socks to wear with like flats and heels and like lady shoes that you need socks for. And then I have like a pair of hiking socks. So day to day, I'm choosing between one of three colors. Here's the best part. I don't have to fold or organize because they're all different colors. In the laundry, if I lose one sock, it doesn't really matter because all of my socks of that color match all of my socks of that color. And I got a whole bunch of cushy new socks, but the benefit is now when I'm like getting ready in the morning, I'm in a rush and this and that, like black ones, two black socks, always match. Yep. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Ever made. I love the decision, but I just, I'm going to ask you one question. Where did you say you keep your socks? In a drawer. Oh my God. I keep them in a drawer. Properly in a drawer as you do in New Jersey. Thank you very much. Well, enjoy your new sock strategy, and we'll see you on the next episode.